In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our text for this occasion of the ascension of our Lord is from Proverbs 14, verse 28. In a multitude of people is the glory of a king, but without people a prince is ruined. This is our text. You know, the sage of Proverbs, Solomon, when he wrote this proverb about the glory of a king, he was thinking of the family of King David. And this family was ruined before Christ was born. After a couple hundred years, the kingdom was destroyed. And it looked like God's promise to David that he would always have a son ruling as king had been withdrawn, eclipsed, gone back on. But the family was exalted at Christ's ascension. So let's meditate on this idea on this festival of the ascension, that the glory of Christ the King is great. You see, Christ brought glory to David's dynasty when he was born into it. He was already a king acknowledged by angels. You recall the multitude of the heavenly host which acknowledged him at his birth. You might recall the twelve legions of angels ready to defend him at Gethsemane. Had the Lord just spoken the word. This was the glory that he brought to David's family. To David's kingdom. But it was a hidden glory. It was veiled from the eyes of others. Already as an infant, Christ was acknowledged as king, king of the Jews, by the Gentile magi, the three wise men. And indirectly, he was acknowledged as king, or at least as a threat, by Herod, who had the infants of Bethlehem put to death. Already as an infant, he had this glory. And Christ brought glory to David's dynasty in his ministry. His disciples witnessed the baptism of our Lord at the Jordan. This was the anointing with the Holy Spirit, showing that he was not just one more Christ as David had been after Saul, but the Christ Anointed not with oil, but with what that oil stood for, the Holy Spirit of God. And having witnessed this, they followed him. As Philip spoke to Nathanael, we have found the king of Israel. And during his ministry, others acknowledged his kingship. Evil spirits acknowledged him as Lord and feared him for it. He had to ask many of those possessed to be quiet. You recall the episode with Legion, which led that one man to cut himself with stones and cry out in the tombs. Legion asked permission to go into the hogs. Yes, evil spirits acknowledged him as king. His followers also came to recognize that he was the promised one of Israel, the son of David, and they acclaimed him on Palm Sunday. We still reenact 
that glorious occasion in the Christian church. Even Pilate acknowledged his kingship, for he found him guilty of the charge of being a king. And his soldiers did so in mockery, making that crown of thorns. But after the earthquake, they changed their tune, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. And Christ brings glory to David's dynasty by the gospel. Now, the gospel is the good news that sin and death are put aside for those who acknowledge Christ as their Lord and King. Everyone who receives this news becomes a member of the kingdom of God. And when that happens, there is rejoicing in heaven. As the Lord said, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents, who turns to God, than over a ninety and nine who need no repentance. And there's a connection here with that great commission which our Lord gave before his ascension. Spread the king's glory. As Mark puts it, preach the gospel to every creature. As Luke puts it, you are my witnesses in Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. As Matthew puts it, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. For with each soul that acknowledges Christ as King, His glory increases. And that's been the story of our Lord. Increasing glory every generation as more and more acknowledge Him as King and receive salvation therefrom. And this is the answer to the question that was posed earlier in the Gospel. You remember, someone asked Jesus, Will those saved be few? And the Lord's answer gives the impression, yes. He says, the narrow way, follow the narrow way, he says. But the real answer is found in Proverbs 14, 28. In a multitude of people, there is the glory of a king. And his kingship is shown by the number who acknowledge him as king today. Over a billion throughout our world. Christianity, those who acknowledge Jesus Christ, has the greatest number of peoples, languages, continents, etc., which acknowledge Christ as King. You and I, gathering here tonight, are the fulfillment of Holy Scripture when Jesus said, bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. And here we are, 2,000 years later, gathered together in Jesus' name on the other side of the world, a hemisphere not even suspected in the days in which Jesus spoke. Now it may not appear at times that Christ's glory is very great if you look at his followers because, well, look at how few we have at this service tonight. And if we examine our own selves, we must acknowledge that we haven't allowed Christ to be king in every aspect of our lives. You know, there's some of us that have trouble making him Lord of our mouth and our vocabulary. There's some of us that have trouble acknowledging him as Lord over our pocketbooks. There are some of us who have trouble acknowledging him as Lord over our anger or over our lust or over some other particular troubling 
sin or temptation. If we are honest with ourselves, we are poor, miserable sinners. Sorry followers of a gracious king. Nevertheless, he is pleased that we should acknowledge him as king. And he is pleased to call us his own. For he loved us so much that he gave his own life. He suffered and died that we might belong to him, be part of his kingdom, and live in everlasting blessedness and innocence forever. You know, sometimes we have to be spoken to the way Elisha spoke to his servant at Dothan. You may not know that story, but at Dothan, Elisha was surrounded by Syrian troops for the king of Syria had heard that Elisha was telling the king of Israel whenever the Syrians would attack. So he sent an army to capture Elisha and the servant was frightened as he saw the Syrian soldiers and chariots and horses surrounding the city. And Elisha said, don't be afraid for those who are with us are more than those against us. And Elisha prayed that the servant's eyes might be opened. And then it says the servant Servants' eyes were open to see God's horses and chariots in the clouds behind the Syrians. You know, those who are with us are more than those who are against us. Those who serve Christ are more than those who oppose Him. John, the apostle's eyes were opened on Patmos Island. You know it from Revelation chapter 7. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And there is greater glory to come. As two angels in the ascension story reminded Jesus' followers that Jesus would return in the same way that he had gone. As he ascended up into the sky, so he will come again and we will see him in the midst of the sky. And then every knee will bend and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. In a multitude of people, is the glory of a king. We who acknowledge him now live in the shadow of that glory. We who obey him as we witness and worship and service and evangelism are partakers of that glory. We who are joined to him in the fellowship and communion of the church are part of that glory. Glory of the ascended Christ who sits on the right hand of God fulfilling the promise to David that he would have a son who would rule forever. As Solomon, son of David, observed, in a multitude of people is the glory of a king. Truly the glory of Christ the king is great. That is what we celebrate on this ascension day and every time we gather for worship. Amen.
And may that peace of the ascended Lord keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.